Welcome back to the Gym Owners Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host, Tyler Stone. Over there's John Fairbanks. How's it going, John? It is going. It's going. Getting chilly, Kyler. <sighs> Don't even start with me here. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's cold here. Um, so this week, guys, we're going to get into some, uh, well, balance conversations, I guess. A lot of the things that we teach, especially in business, is about balancing profitability for your brand, competitive pricing like what what do we really need to optimize for within your business and this is a bit of an extension um conversation we had uh, with dj a couple of weeks back well if you're hearing it now it's a few weeks back because i think there's some episodes in between um but yeah what are you optimizing for because some of the things if you you chase the wrong metrics you put certain things in your business first and you will lose sight of fucking everything so we want to try and talk you uh talk you around some of these traps and get you prepared so that you kind of have some perspective on what you need to move forward with and what's really important within your business, within your brand, within your sales, your marketing, your pricing, your coaching, all of it. So before we get started, make sure you join the Facebook group. Link is in the description. Make sure you follow the show. That is uh, the gym owners podcast with a capital, the, no, just the gym owners podcast on Instagram. You follow me at Tyler F and stone and you call John, follow John at, you can call me anytime. You can follow me at jbanksfl on Instagram. How great would that be as a nickname? And here's John's phone number. No, that'd be the coolest <laughs> nickname ever. I'm Tyler, but you can call me anytime. That rules. Anyway, yeah. you're welcome, fellas. That might work. Um, all right, guys. When is optimization the wrong move? Or when is optimizing for something the wrong move? We think that in our business... That we want to just perform well, right? That it's, it's, we want to make money. I, I need leads. I need profitability. I need all of those things. And I think for gym owners, I want to put this in a context that matters that you're familiar with. So before we put it in the context of your business, let's put it in the context of your fitness, you're working out. You could optimize for just strength. You could choose because I'm going in the gym to get strong and I can put strength above all things, right? If my goal this year is to get stronger, well, I should probably be 80 pounds heavier, right? I can just lift, do none of this, none of that. I just eat, sleep, drugs, whatever I'm going to do, but that's what's going to happen. But at some point, you're not going to be in a position to do all the other things you wanted to do, right? At some point, there's a line. And I think in all of these processes we're trying to sort out, it's like, where's the fucking line here, right? You can't just put on 50 pounds of mass and hope that you're moving weight better because at some point we need to move. At some point we need to breathe. At some point, the context of what you're trying to be fit for matters, okay? And in your business, that's important as well. Um, we were talking to a gym owner in our Gear Academy the other day, and they have they have a couple different locations. Um, each of them, they run physical therapy as well as a full-on gym and personal training studio in the back, right? And they've been with us for a while, and these guys do really well. But as we're trying to develop more of the personal training side, we start looking into, you know, okay, well, are we able to kind of have a solid handoff between the uh, physical the, the physical therapy side of the business to encourage people, hey, now that you're out of here, we want you to be, here's kind of our checklist for things we need you to do. We need you to maintain a decent body weight. Uh, we need you to make sure that you're getting stronger or at least not pursuing physical weakness and frailty. Um, and we need to make sure that you're doing some sort of exercise for the sake of your heart. And then, of course, whatever other things need to be done for whatever reasons that they're in physical therapy or were. And that handoff is important because I think it's important for the members, for those clients, really, to be successful, as opposed to feeling like they've just been shucked out into the world and then they have to start back over. Um, but there's a line because when we started building some of these processes and working with this gym owner, when we started to realize, like, man, what would convert the best? What really like, would, what just nothing else mattered, would, like yeah. just what would crush. Yeah. If the only thing that mattered was that when this person was done with their 24 or 36 physical, th physical therapy sessions with their insurance, you need to bring in Alex Hormozy or one of these fucking that Andy dipshit looks like he's wearing his wife's pants. The bald guy who I hate so much. I don't remember his fucking name. The sales guru yeah. who just, I fucking hate the most, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but one of those guys would come in and and really would crush it. And they really would. It was like you because because we started doing not as something we were planning on doing, but we want to build this out to what is the most what's going to do the best. And then where do we draw the line? Where do we balance it out? Well, at? 
and and we didn't talk to the gym owner about this. No, right? this no, was no, like no. you and I, like after the fact, are like, all right, if we were going to be like scum of the earth, yeah, like what would just crush because you have elderly and women as your predominant people. Yeah. So it's like how how heavy could we go in the paint to manipulate and take advantage of the elderly and female? Especially with the one, especially with the trust that you already have as a physical therapist. Right. And they're already there and they're and and at that point, yeah, I mean the pitch is pretty fucking it's pretty easy. It's well, we need you to get in there to make sure that, you know, even though it's gonna be an investment, I know insurance paid for that. In the past, insurance isn't going to pay for this, but look at all the pain, sufferings you had, surgery, all the stuff. Like this is a, this is an investment in not going back to that. This is, this is so that you don't have to see me back here after surgery again. This, and by the way, some version of that conversation, a genuine version of that conversation, is mm -hmm. worth having as a person that they trust, as the person that they, whose authority they respect and expertise they respect. But doing that as your sales pitch is fucking gnarly. But we're going through this. And I'm like, you know, all of those bullshit things for overcoming sales aversions that we went over a few episodes in the past, all that sales guru shit, close, 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 close. Man, that stuff, that's when we decided to talk about this on this episode because it's like you, you got to draw a line. And because when we're talking to this gym owner who sees those people every day and he's a gym owner and a physical therapy and you know what you call it practice owner multiple locations so when we're talking right. to him about this it's like you know he's he's pretty guarded about it it's like i don't i don't want to be i can't i can't just go all sales on this because it's going to scum up the vibe it's and the fact is is when people are doing a thing that insurance is paying for and then you're asking them to do a thing that uh they have to pay for some people just simply can't do it that they just they just so so you will be getting told no a lot and so if you get into just the uh you know sales objection overcoming objections over and over and over and over again you will become a fucking scumbag because <laughs> you're in a position you to no a ton and so if you just keep pulling that card well the reason you were here is because you were weak and you were out of shape you were like now you're fucking now you're talking now you're talking that hormozy business that just sell, 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 sell. And if you leave me and you don't, it's, you're going to fall apart. I'm going to see it like it's, it's, you yeah. can't afford not to be here with me. Like yeah. we got you better. Like your life depends upon being here. And if ever there was a way. Netflix? Is it Netflix? Or is it this? Yeah, dude. There's nothing What's I hate. Someone's trying to sell a gym membership. Or, and these guys aren't even fucking, this is the truth. None of the dorks. A fucking gym are selling gym memberships either they're selling some scammy bait and switch fucking challenges and shit that's not even attached to a brand so let's not pretend that this is something it isn't okay first off but like yes they are absolutely doing that stuff exactly what you just described that's mm -hmm. it well i really i don't know it's pretty expensive 600 bucks for this i i don't know i don't know if i can really afford well, what do you pay for netflix right why don't you take out your bank statement and let me go through and see where you're spending your money how many times you to, for a fucking gym sale you're literally at to asking a person well how many times do you go out to eat a week when i see that stuff in marketing for fitness and gyms I've, i see gyms use that as their marketing strategy hey hiring a coach or going to a gym is expensive do you know what else is expensive? Cancer. <laughs> or, or even worse, like, you know what else is expensive? Going out to eat. How many times a week do you go out to eat? Do you know how much money that costs? You could spend. And, but, like, it's like fucking, listen, stay in your lane. I understand they need to fix how they eat and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But if they're telling you they're not going to join because they can't afford it, what are you going to do? They're not asking you, well, hey, how can you sort out my finances for me? It's not, that's not part of the fucking equation. So did I ever tell stuff. you, go ahead, go ahead. did I ever tell you the time that I went into one of the big franchise gyms and I was waiting to meet with the owner. And so the, the GM, that was the main guy on, on site, which is like their main sales guy. I walk in and I'm sitting in his office and the whiteboard is behind me where he can be on the phone and he can be looking at his whiteboard and the Netflix line is on the whiteboard really and so i go <clears throat> oh the the netflix line like how does that work like how, how does that work for you like is, is it successful he goes oh dude he's like i used to work 
at Netflix. So he goes, I just rail on how horrible they are. He goes, it crushes. Like every person that I use it with, it just guaranteed close. Like, oh my God. <laughs> you, they're not bro. asking you to find them money. They're worse off. They're just telling you no. Or the part really is, of course, it. dude, by the way, if I have to over a gym membership, let's be real. If I have to look another man and say, I can't afford it over something that let's be honest is a relatively trivial amount of money, 150, couple of it's matters to some people. Right. But if someone is telling you, like, I can't afford a couple hundred bucks a month, dude, stay the fuck out of their business, dude. At that point, like that's, that's information that I'm not telling, I'm not telling anyone where the line is of what I can and can't afford. And if I've told you that, please respect that. That's fucking nuts. If you go to a car deal and you're like, hey, my budget, I've done this before. I'm going to buy a car. Like, Here's my budget. And they go in and they just take me to cars that are more expensive. I said, you violated the one fucking thing I laid out for you. There was one. It's got to cost less than this. And you go, well, we don't really have it. Well, then that's the fucking answer. Save my time. Save your breath. That was the line. I drew that line. I say I can't afford this. Are you going to help me afford it? Fuck off. The best part, the memberships he was selling, Tyler, were a dollar. Yeah, this is like, and so when you think about it, when like it's right, it's like, oh, it's a dollar membership, but it ends up being like 40 bucks or whatever. Could you imagine trying to convince someone that they need to stop paying for Netflix so that they can afford your $40 a month membership? Like, think about how sleep, think about like the folks that are, we all know, like we've all ran into people, we've had friends, we've all, I've, I definitely was there for a period of time. Level of poor that most people cannot imagine, right? So, like forty dollars <laughs> is going to overdraft yeah. the fucking bank fee, right? And and it's and it's. Could you imagine that you're trying to tell like that's the population that you're trying to convince or like swindle in to becoming a member at the gym? Like it would be terrible. Anyway, yeah. so but that's that is the thing, right? So is it just closing? Closing, closing, closing. When you actually have a practice to, and this is this is what kind of the root of this. They have, and I don't want to say that your gym is not a legitimate practice, but I think you need to treat it as such, is what I'm saying. Okay. These people have a legitimate professional, professional practice in their community that are getting referrals from hospitals and prof- like this is a process that's happening. And if you want referral business, recommendation business, all this stuff to come through from people that are going to vouch for your fucking skills your professionalism your humanity like all of this stuff you don't get to say hey why don't you take out your banking app then if you forgot your credit card and i'll just get your routing number off of there no bitch they just told you no you fucking dork move on it's crazy that so some of those sales stuff is i just hate it because it will eventually violate the trust and if john if you recommended to me that I go meet with somebody about this thing. Oh, they do some pretty cool stuff. Go sit down. And I am put into one of those conversations after I, after I don't want something. I'm, I'm mad at you. And I yep. will then tell everyone I know whoever says anything about that. Like, yeah, don't fucking go there, dude. Just don't. Do not. And that's so – there's another – so that's the that's that story, right? We don't want to – they can't really get in a situation where it's high pressure, high pressure. It's got to be thorough. Their process needs to be thorough. It needs to be conversational. It also needs to be something physical that they can take with. There needs to be opportunity for their staff on the other side of the business to follow up with them. If they're given a hard yes, it needs to be sent over as a lead right away. That needs to They need to be met up very, very quickly. Um, the scheduling needs to be sorted out right. Like these things need to be done fast. But if you're told no or told maybe, you can't ride them that hard if you're a fucking doctor in there. You just, you really can't. So what they need to do is make sure they get something sent home with them that they know after they've kind of had the quick conversation, what we recommend that you do and that you can do some of these things here. Um, your time slots available. You can do without a coach or with a coach. Our coaches will be kind of brought up to speed. by right? So it's a, it's a nice valuable thing for them to go, oh, cool, I can continue to pursue this. Um, that is a solid pathway. Then they need to be followed up, even if it's a no. Follow up mm-hmm. with a simple email. But these processes do need to be built. So it doesn't mean that we just let it go. Because if we let it go, we're only relying on the charisma, discipline, um, whatever sales acumen or just general skill of mm-hmm. all of your staff. So it will not be standardized. It will not be successful across the board. Some will sink. Others will swim. And your business just simply, you guys, have, if you guys have staff, there's one thing I'm going to tell you. 
you cannot rely on the talent of the people that you have because it's not going to be uniform. You will have some very talented people, but businesses that can't scale, can't grow and can't do new things are ones that rely on the talent of their people. Because what they cannot do then is systemize success. And if they get someone who's less talented, which is if you've been in the fucking hiring pool lately, I hate to break it to you. There's a lot of pretty untalented people that need to be kind of put in a box, taught some things and developed. They can't just come in and be socially normal. The Internet has made a lot of people's brains fucking good. You know what I mean? And a lot of people got to come in and be able to like. You got to teach them how to do this stuff. And we get so worried about them not being good. Well, it's kind of on you to create a playground for them in which they can be successful. And everything you just described, right, is the are those systems and standardization. Yeah. Right. You have to have those systems in place to anticipate the the fluctuating wave like reality of people's own abilities. Yeah. But I think the heart and the crux of what we're really driving at is. You cannot start systemizing, standardizing, or optimizing. You cannot do any of those things if you are not, well, excuse me, you cannot standardize or systemize if you have not optimized for the right thing. Yeah. Because if you are optimizing, because here's the reality is like we were talking about is you could have physical therapy business A and physical therapy business B or gym A, gym B. One optimizes to make money, cutthroat, burn the boats. And the other one wants clients to be successful and want people to have a great experience as a client at their facility. Those two North Stars, what you standardize and then what your systems you are that you're putting in place will allow those two businesses to look and feel radically different for the client. There's two different car dealerships in town, and I actually kind of like the owners of both of them here. Well, there's more than two. We're not that small of a town. But, like, um, obviously, when you go to look up look up a used car on the Internet, John, everybody uses essentially the same website system, right? Almost all, right? Yeah. You go to look for it. It's sort of the same. Like, it's the same structure. Um, but there's one of them that is truly they do not negotiate on prices. That is their bottom price. That is it, right? Whether it's. High or not, doesn't matter to me. For me personally, that's where I'm going to buy all of my shit if I'm buying cars locally. I don't like bartering. I don't like it. seems disingenuous. It just seems like bullshit. So the fact that what's on the window is what I'm going to pay, and it's not really a thing that we're going to have a conversation about, and that that is the system. Man, that system is nice. There's another car. There's, there's, we'll go three here. There's another car dealership in town. Same everything, right? Same website, same all the stuff, except unspoken. You go in and you got a little wiggle room on the price. So you got to do the game or you're going to spend more money. Got to haggle. Ugh. And that is, yeah. in my opinion, terrible fucking business. It's just, it's like, how are we pretending that this is okay as adults, right? Like as adults in America in 2024, we're just going, can I, can you take a little off? Oh, let me go talk to my manager. And it's like, fuck this. Because they know every <laughs> bid over a certain point sweetens up their deal. It just yeah. kind of does. Then there's a third one and it's newer. And I know the owners, and I've worked for it, and I know the owners of all three of these places. So I'm not, you know, shitting on them as humans. But the the I used to coach the one of this new one, and they are new. They're very successful. It works really well. Very slick branding. He brought he bought very uh, he bought a very thorough system in his marketing system and his lead follow up and CRM. Like everything really is fucking thorough. In that, I don't get to go to the website and look at the inventory. Unless I enter in my name, my email, and my phone number. I can't describe to you how much I hate that. When I first moved back from Europe, though, I was like, you know, I know this guy. I trust this. I do. I trust this guy. I'd, I'd prefer when I had to buy cars. When I moved back to the States, got to buy some cars. It's America. Um, like, I was like, I'd rather I'd like to buy a car from him because I knew him. I coached him. He gave me business. I trust him. And I go through that. I'm like, fine. Put in my fucking stuff. And... I get an automated text message. It's obviously automated. And then I get a call. Then I get emails. But this is all like after once I clicked in to start looking at the inventory, you can see the vehicles. John, there's no prices. How about that? So what fucking good does any of this do me? Yeah. 
Because what is the what is the main factor in a vehicle, whether or not it not whether or not I'm interested in it that I think it's cool, yeah. but whether or not mm-hmm. I'm even considering buy it is price, price right? There's kind of what yeah. what it you know is it a SUV truck like type of vehicle, mm-hmm. price and mileage. Those are the only factors that matter to me, and the most important is price. That's what gets the deal done. To oh, have geez. that be nah, you got to come in and talk to us. That's fucking right. Nuts. So I was out. I got texted and called between those two platforms alone, probably 15 times in 48 hours. <laughs> it's fucking crazy, dude. To the point it was like, these are people, these are, I have coached people out there that, that work there, like not just the owner. And it's like, right. man, this sucks. I have to avoid your business like the fucking plague. Cause I just don't want to deal with that stuff. I gave it some time. I swore I was never going to use the website again, but I still like him. I went out and chat with him, a, you know, a while ago, and, and I went out and looked for another vehicle. I said, "I'm going to go through the lot then." Drive right. through the lot. Guess what? No prices on there either. No prices on the cars. Oh, you go talk to the salesman. I give him a price range. You know what they do, John? Every day, they pull an updated market price because you know the market fluctuates so much day to day. I was like, oh. So we're playing in fake numbers now. Yeah, like true fake numbers. Fucking imaginary. Motherfucker. Now, by the way, the reason all those systems are the way they are is they are purely optimized for conversion, for getting the most out of every sale, for making sure that every person who inquires is getting the every opportunity that they get to close that loop. Correct. And as long, but the problem is, is a lot of people who would have casually perused your stuff i would have became informed um you're withholding all the information that matters and all you're doing is fucking trying to run through people and it sucks and i kind of can't do business with them i I just kind of can't and it's optimized for things that matter but it's optimized for shit to, to to an extreme there's always a line and that line i believe in every every law every incentive every policy every process that exists in humanity the line mm-hmm. is what really matters, John. Do I believe that as an American, we can own, we should own guns? Yes, I do. And if you don't like that, you might be listening to the wrong Jim Morris podcast. But <laughs> do I believe that I should be able to own a shoulder-mounted rocket launcher? Well, that might be somewhere on another side of that line. I'm not sure. Can sure. I own a surface-to-air missile? Why would I need a surface-to-air missile? That might be across the line from my right. I don't know. But somewhere in there is a line. And that mm-hmm. line is actually what really matters. It really is. Like, I get that we probably have to pay taxes. Where's the line? It's the line that we should be arguing for unless fundamentally something is wrong. So in this business, and say, the, take the car dealership example, there is a line. And each of these businesses has chosen a different yeah. line, each of those issues. And But what they, how they selected that posi- their position on each of those lines, on each of those issues... That is what each of those business now businesses are. That business is that system. As far as I'm concerned now, my thoughts of that business is I am now subjected to that system. That's a no. The other one that I'm subjected to what I got to fucking haggle with some shit. What's the point of putting the price on the fucking thing? If I got to ask my way down and then how far can I, do I got to play this shit? I'm not in some third world country flea market here. This is not what we're fucking doing. And the other one who's is like, yeah, this is our price. Well, they've decided to be that. That probably cost them some money. It probably cost them. And by the way, not having that follow-up system be so nasty, it probably cost them some leads. It probably does. But Jesus Christ, is it easy for me to do business with dealer number A? And and ease to do business with is definitely going to be a thing where for us of putting priority. Yeah. Is that for us in our world, it is how easy is it for someone to come in and do business with you? And I think that is an, that's an interesting thing to kind of flesh out, which is the domino effect that comes from like these three businesses that you've described, what they have made their business to be about. Now, domino effect is what are the types of people that they can hire? So what are the types of salespeople that are required, right? For a situation where 
every single sales opportunity is a high pressure sales. They don't know the price. And they're just raking people in almost against their right. will. Jesus Christ. Can I just look at the cars? And then, and then option B is you got to be prepared to haggle. So yes. how comfortable are you going back and forth in that haggle situation all the way to the other end of the spectrum that you described, which is how easy would it be to be a salesperson when it's all prices are the lowest and final offer. And now it's almost like you're just going to facilitate exactly. happy purchasers towards where they want. I am a friendly concierge just helping you exactly. towards your choices. These are your options. Here's what we can do, man. Now, at that point, are we trying to sell? Are they trying to sell fucking, uh, you know, once you go to buy, are they trying to sell you, uh, you know, a warranty? Another warranty, maybe, maybe the undercoating. Some of course. of course, listen, that's all right. part of the game. And let me, let me also make sure that, that I make this very clear. Each of those three car dealerships are wildly successful. The owners, their staff, for the most part, the owners, management, they'll do very well. So none of them are starving, but what do you want your fucking business to be? What do you optimize for? And at some point over a long enough timeline, there will be opportunities that are left behind. And maybe in your market, by the way, Maybe in your market, it's important that you fill a different spot than somebody else. That's, that is another thing here. Uh, one of the things I want to get to as well. So this is, again, chasing the wrong metrics. Dealer number three with all the complicated, hyper-thorough processes and follow-up systems. Man, they are not letting any traffic to their website fall through the crack. They really are. They're optimized fully. for the, And that's basically probably what they're selling these car dealers, these the dealership owners on. Is that like you will get a thousand phone numbers a day from people wanting cars. And right. then you just got to play the big game. That play the big game stuff works in selling cars. It's, it works if you're selling fucking bait and switch fitness challenges. It does. But that doesn't really work when you're talking about fitness that works, that is optimized around client success and client results. Because when a client is going to get results, the initial investment is important. If it is too cheap, if it's too nothing, they don't have any skin in the game. It's easy for someone to throw a hundred bucks at a problem and then go, ah, fuck, going to the gym is hard. I don't care. Right. So I'm okay with something being expensive. I'm okay with that. But for them to truly be successful, they cannot be coerced into making that initial investment. They need to be bought in every day, every step of the way, all the time. You cannot just, you can't do that to them because they will not be successful. And then you will be the gym where people go and don't get results. You'll just be another thing where people slap some money on your desk fucking every once in a while. And what, what's the general reputation about your gym? Yeah, I, don't know, I went there once. Or it's, I was tricked. tricked I was tricked into getting something. Or a two-year contract. Mm -hmm. Fucking, yeah. Yeah, that sucks. So the other thing about this is... On the staffing side of things, right? The big thing we talked about is preserving the reputation, the professionalism, the brand of a lot of these physical therapists right. in this clinic, right? And so that's important, but the, the other business, the business doing well is important as well, but you cannot just be pushing them into becoming salespeople, right? They cannot, we can't, we can give them a system and give them a thing that has balance in that, that balances who they are with what we need from them. But that's the that's going to be a beautiful system is one that does that, not one that just converts the most. Because um, one of the things that can happen, you can burn out your staff, right? Yeah. By the way, if I, if my coaches are doing semi-private personal training and, they, and they're running, say, three to four clients at a time, right? That's very profitable for them. That's very profitable for me, right? Um, what if I schedule them for four of those hours in a row, right? An hour break and then another four hours. Mentally, that's exhausting. That's a mm -hmm. lot of juggling to do like eight sessions, especially when there's multiple people per session and you're trying to give individual attention. You're trying to socialize. You're trying to make it interesting. Those coaches will burn out. Do you care? Or are you going to constantly try to fill that cup? Because that's the cup where the money comes in, right? There's right. always a line that you need to draw. And one of the things I noticed, speaking of that uh, fucking Andy salesman, dipshit, viral guy, oh, that yeah. apparently only, only is on my feed and not yours. I don't um, ever see him, thank God. <laughs> and I must just hate watch enough of it. I see it. I don't even watch it anymore. But they brought his wife, I saw a deal, they brought his wife on. Apparently he's married. And this is, 
the crazy someone's like his wife's as fucking insane as he is and so she was saying how much time do you give your kids because like his whole thing is he'll come up and be like you know he's like if someone put he's literally says if someone came up and put a gun to your head oh, says i'm gonna kill you and i'm gonna kill your family unless you triple your sales numbers this month would you do it of course you'd be able to do it well just do that like fuck off <laughs> his wife hops up I gave her a fucking microphone now, and she looks as fucking whatever, fake tan and coked up as possible, too. Like, these people are just right. winging it. 1980s <laughs> WWF. Oh, characters. dude, it's, this is crazy. Yeah, this is, this is, these people are the China and X Pac of fucking salespeople. It's <laughs> nuts. Like, who's taking this seriously? But she yeah. goes up, she's like, How much time do you give your kids? I know it's busy. And she's like, I'll oh, give them a couple hours. She goes, Couple hours. Couple hours is a lot of time. I give my kids 20 minutes. I give them 20 minutes. But for that 20 minutes, I'm a different person. I was like, first off, I hope so. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Secondly, <laughs> what an insane <laughs> thing to say. It's like, from, for the sake of your business, just only see your kids for 20 minutes. Could you imagine? What the fuck? What Could the you fuck? imagine if you led with that for new oh, hires? That's what you need. listen. If you're having a hard, you're having a hard time making sales, making things work, and you need to make more money. Just listen. Your kids don't fucking need you, but twenty minutes a day. Just really be there for that twenty minutes. Yeah, that's gonna fucking work. Who's gonna get them places? Stephanie or whatever her fucking name is. Anyway, I saw that and I was like about thrown into a blind fit of rage, dude. It was. That's <laughs> all I could do. But but here's the thing though. Like it's if you're not careful, and you as a as a business owner as a fitness fitness, business, individual, personal trainer, coach, whatever, gym owner. And all you want to do is you're just, you're trying to do better. You know, you want to do better. If all that, if you know that want to is there, if you're not careful and you're just going to go and get advice from whoever, and you want to invest, if those are the motherfuckers that you're investing in, what do you think they're going to have you optimize your shit for? Like there is a fundamental piece where like the people that you're listening to is you got to pay attention. Like, what are they saying about all the things? Like, where do you connect with them fundamentally across multiple avenues? Because it does bleed over. Like it bleeds over into all these different elements. So we have to be able to just like we keep coming back to, which is what do you want to be? Like, what do you want to be known for? (coughs) And also on the coaching thing, this is what is, we had this conversation with DJ, but your, the way you're having people work out, right? Whether you're personal yeah. training or whether you're having classes or programmings, are you optimized for outcomes, right? Are you optimized for risk versus reward, right? That risk versus reward, in my opinion, is the single most important calculation that every coach should do in how they select exercises, how they choose a training methodology, what they choose for each client to do should be mm-hmm. what are we risking and what's the, what's the fastest or whatever the, the the best outcome we can get for this client the problem is, is for the most part most coaches take into account like injury risk essentially is what there is what sure. they do with that it's just injury risk and we'll just do whatever we can do it's not going to hurt them that'll get them the results that they need they need conditioning to get stronger they need this so maybe a smart coach is i'm not going to have them ripping fucking barbell snatches and clean and jerks and a bunch of overhead squats and kipping pull-ups and all this shit because this is a general population person who's doesn't need that kind of wear and tear and they can get plenty of good exercise without fucking their shit up right yeah that is a level one right in my opinion that is like the first level of like being a coach is knowing how to do that math and and right. actually caring about that math because there are when you're a level zero coach you're just stuffing clients through your methodology and that's kind of what happened with what goes on in a lot of crossfit gyms and now the the education that kind of had come through that is teaches really the risk versus reward that you know, you're supposed to scale well, i don't know how to scale but well how here are more options here are more exercise selections here's how to program a little bit better but it's, it's not just injury risk versus progress that's the problem. Right. That's like one piece. And do they ever factor in? Because you'll see them the most optimized coaches, the people with like the most, we talked about this, the guys with the most functional training or the biggest movement experts. And it's like none of their shit is fun or funny or interesting or even just cool. 
Because by the way, feeling cool and feeling like you're doing something cool matters too. I had a fuck. Yeah. I talked to a guy who's a client who I used to coach and he works out at a spot where they do plenty of like sandbag training and stuff like that because it's, it's functional. I'm all about not using barbells where it doesn't need to be used. But this guy's like, if I got to fucking come in and just squat a fucking sandbag every time we squat, I just don't give a fuck. You get to a point where people are going to hate the tools that you use when you use them too much. I heard that yesterday from a guy. Literally <laughs> yesterday. He's like, I'm tired of this fucking sandbags, dude. And it's like, that's the thing. Is there enough variety to keep it interesting? Because the truth is, if I want somebody to, let's just say in the squat bench and deadlift, right? Or whatever. I want somebody to get strong. What they need to do is kind of the same stuff over and over again when varying rep structures, but they need to get good at those exercises and they need to get mm -hmm. good at the accessories and they need to work hard at those same exact things, kind of, to move those things forward. That's how you get better at them. I'm not going to get right. better at jujitsu by boxing, right? So I need to progress at those things. But what ends up happening is you try to stay in that lane. Well, you got to stay at the basics and you got to do this thing and you got to do this and this and this. Then nobody has any fucking fun and every day is boring and everything's the same as it was before and if when you see a training program where it's super repetitive that's why you're going to move on to something else like people mm -hmm. say that like uh program hopping is like it's, it's a terrible thing for people to do if someone is hopping from one program to the next what they're choosing is being interested in the things they're doing in the gym over optimization yeah that's a choice they're choosing to make that doesn't mean they're fucking wrong. You are judging them when you're a coach who goes, "This guy, we got to stick to the program this whole time." Like over, if you're programming a six week block and you need them to do it over and over and over and over again, like you can't get mad at them after eighteen weeks of wanting to do something different. Well, you're not going to get as good at these things if you don't do, you know, stick with. But they don't want that. They don't want. The, they don't want the outcome at the expense of it being fun to do. Because if the cost of this desirable outcome of getting stronger, of getting fitter is me being fucking miserable and bored doing the same shit that I don't really like that much three hours a week for 18 mm -hmm. straight weeks. Fuck off. I don't want to do that. I'd rather have less results. I really would. I'd rather have a little fun and just we'll get there a little bit further down the line. It's okay. Slow down the pace. Let me enjoy myself here. Do you feel like the being dogmatic like that? Because that's ultimately what it is, right? No matter what it is, whether it's, it is a, a certain being stuck in your ways and being that old crotchety guy, which is just, this is the only way you do it. You gotta run five, three, one till the cows come home. Yeah. That's it. Right. If it's not five by five strong lifts, then I'm not doing it right. Whatever it's going to be. It's, it's just the lack of getting out and fucking looking at anything else. Yeah. yeah. Like you just, it's just a lack of experience. Cause you're not, you're not out. You're not being exposed to anything else, anything new. It's one of like the biggest problems that we've always seen with a lot of gym owners where it's like, how many gyms have you been to? Oh my God. Or how many like, other people's classes have you taken? Exactly. Huh. Like the, you know. the, cause, cause I dealt with it as a teacher, like on the teaching side, it's like, it was really important for my staff. You need to go shadow another teacher that works in this school. You need to go see how they teach, go see what they do. And you need to look at it. Cause for me as, as an administrator, I would shadow everybody. And try and help and fix whatever I saw, but other everybody else doesn't. They don't get to see those reps. They don't get to, to view it as like a third party observer, being like, "Oh, that's actually pretty cool." Like I like the way that I mean, Tyler. I had a fucking chemistry teacher that taught for forty five minutes with his back to the class. Nice. He like, never turned cool. from the white. I was like, "What?" I'm it's like, like a uh, concert in the late nineties. I'm like, Captain. <laughs> Captain, Jesus. we need to, because we're the military school. My like, captain, we we need to this one move. I just need you to open your shoulders, still be able to write on the board while seeing. It's like the kids had so much time that they were able to do like one of those fucking dance challenge bullshit things. Like uh oh, fuck. Like I don't know the phrase, like slow down for what or whatever that fucking song oh, was. Yeah, yeah, where yeah, everybody yeah. would like get crunk all of a sudden. The kids were able to film themselves. Because we fucking saw it, right? And this is when it really came from. Right? Get on their desks and do the fucking dance and then get Harley back Jay down and Jay seated. Was. And he had not turned. Jesus. And I'm like, God damn it, Captain Cranston. We got to fix this, man. We can't yeah. be not looking at the class. But that's the equivalent. Is I think a lot oh, yeah. of these. And the problem is 
is that I do blame if you have coaches that are dogmatic, that's up to you as the gym owner to fix that. Yeah. Like you, you have to help these people of whatever their varying levels are. And then if you're too dogmatic or you don't know, you got to get the fuck out, dude. Like go. There's a, um, so a really good example of this context. Cause I you know, having trained in martial arts gyms now for a couple of years. One of the things that we see is like when people teach jujitsu, it's like so complicated that people make it fucking really goddamn boring. And they're like, the first thing you need to learn when you come in is you like, if you come in and people go, what is jujitsu? What do I need to do? How's it go? And what do most people do? They like make you sit in somebody's closed guard, which is like a kind of the gayest yeah. situation you're going to be in. But it's like, they act like this because it's some fundamental thing. Like, you learn to pass the guard. They don't know what any of those things are. And granted, a lot of the game is, I need to get past your legs and get to these other stuff. It's so optimized for, like, the fundamental understandings of these things. When people start to think outside the box, all of a sudden, so there's a conversation I listen to. Um, if you want to hear this in depth, it's actually really, really cool. I'm going to send it to YouTube because it's worth you to listen. It, it will translate to you as a coach to just you will really understand what they're getting at there's a guy named preet mickelson i think it's preet it's spelled but anyways podcast with called bjj mental models he is like a guy who's like the defensive jujitsu guy he's a matter of fact been ripped on because he teaches literally just like keep yourself balled up and safe not that that should be your whole game but that that's right. the parts of the game that he knows best so when he's doing a seminar that's the stuff he's teaching so people rip sure. on this guy to the point where like they seem he just makes people do boring uninteresting rounds where you just can't do anything they just clam up right that's his reputation right do you know what he teaches at his academy for brand new people your first 20 sessions they're they're for their intro class it's a rotating 20 classes each class is a brand new submission that's it that's awesome no that's in your cool. fucking guard <laughs> none yeah. of this stuff right so it's not coming in and going hey i want to learn how to choke somebody perfect now we're going to put you nuts to butts with this guy and he's going to wrap his legs around you and you're going to get comfortable with that real quick. It's like, no. So what you do is you teach with the idea of like you, all coaches know this to some degree. You got to throw in a little bit of what they need. A little sugar. A little bit of sugar, right? You got with a dog, yeah. you got to fill in some peanut butter, wrap it some ham, you got to throw it at them, whatever, right? But yeah. in this case is actually the truth is, is the context matters. One, they got to stay with it for a really fucking long time. So yeah. you're not going to inspire somebody to fucking really, this is why the retention rates I think are really bad in jujitsu generally. Is it like, you're not inspiring a lot of people to stick around by one of the examples he gave is you give two brand new people and you put them in half guard, top guard, bottom guard. Right. And you're just like, they don't understand that that's a thing that exists in a fight, that that's a situation that exists in a fight or what's going on. So then trying to explain yeah. them how to get out of it, what any of that matters, there is no context. So you get to the point, you teach someone how to choke somebody from behind. Then all of a sudden they go, well, what, what controls do I need? Oh, I need to have the legs here. I need to have this here. All of a sudden they're able to like reverse engineer something so that then when they start to actually train and roll live, yeah, they're going to have a hard time passing the guard. They're going to have a hard time getting to an attack. But guess what that means? Then they're going to go. How do I get out of this guy's fucking legs? Now I want to yeah. know this. And it empowers them to know this. So it's a very, that conversation, I don't know, it was like a, maybe like a month ago, but BJJ Mental Models is the kind, if you give a fuck about it at all, coaching, it's, Pritt Mickelson's one of my favorite people in there in that he thinks in a way that's willing to just think systematically. And he's not married to this idea that he's been doing it for about two years in his academy and he's just working on the data. But what he has found, injury rates are way down. People aren't getting hurt. Do you know why? Because where do most new people get hurt? They don't know when they're in fucking danger. So they don't tap. They don't realize the right. risk. So instead, right. you, you, if you you don't get to teach kids about guns and never put a, never like put the gravity of the situation in their mind, right? Mm -hmm. Don't. That's people who don't know anything about shooting guns, have never trained about shooting a gun and know that whole process. Those are people that are dangerous at accidentally shooting somebody. Someone who's trained and really knows the deal and might like, you know, my kids respect firearms to the point where Christ more than I ever did as a kid, <laughs> you know, cause I was just left to the wall. It was just out and about. So I just think that it's, 
that is important as you're building your coaching philosophy and also when you're empowering your coaches and teaching new coaches that a coach will find a new piece of information, a new exercise or a new strategy or whatever. And they need to know that it's not about strategy. It's about this person. And are we optimized yeah. for the long term? Are we optimized so that these people will enjoy this enough to stay? Because do you know, John, what the difference is between someone who is good at jujitsu three years from now and one who's not? Someone who stays in jujitsu and keeps training. Oh, that's, yeah. That's essentially <laughs> just <were> there. <laughs> it's a guarantee yeah. that if you just kind of come for three years, you will be better at it. You really will. If you're just showing up, you'll get there. You'll just get there. But if yeah. it's so boring, you quit, you might as well never fucking done it. You really, you've got nothing out of the deal. Nothing. And one of the aspects that they talked about is when, then when you're rolling with brand new white belts, they're like, they either know how to hunt you because that's the only thing they know. So like, and their details are not perfect, but they're like on the attack. And then you're able to play a larger, a wider game, or they really know how to shut you down because they know a few of the details. They know I don't want my arm here. So all of a sudden it's more productive for everybody and nobody's getting hurt and they're having fun. And they're that choosing, right? Optimized for not just, we need to make sure we build the base exclusively. We have to build the base. We need to understand the base. And if you don't know how to get out of mount and you don't know how to get out of bottom mount and you don't know how to do this, well, so you're, you know, you're going to be bad at wrestling. You're going to end up on your back. So you might as well start your training there. Okay. But again, for me to be better in three years, if 90% of people quit, maybe 90% of people quit because you're teaching it in the wrong fucking order. Okay. If well, you're being taught, too dogmatic about the order. Exactly. If you taught, if you, yeah. you you teach youth basketball camp, okay, and it's a three-day camp, for two days, you don't put a basketball in the kids' hands. How many of them kids by the third day are like, fucking leave me home, dad. I ain't fucking going. Right. If you're not playing games by the end of the first day, you're going to have kids not showing up by the third day. You know what I mean? Like it needs to be for sure. I think think people think fitness and coaching and strength training and whatever weight loss, all of that stuff. They think it's not like these other things. And it just, it absolutely is. So that's the question. What are you optimizing for? And what do we always say, John, there's balance in all these things. Need mm-hmm. to be optimized for client experience, client results. Now, what gets your clients the best results? They got to be invested. So it shouldn't be so cheap. And it shouldn't be for quantity of clients because then what? You'll just be cheaper. So it's okay that you optimize for client results and know that your business needs to be open and that you need to turn a real fucking profit and you need to be fed so that you can hire staff so you can help more people. And that the whole system is about choosing Your business will be where you draw the lines on each of those priorities. And that is the, that's the DNA of your business. That's what I believe. I think it also comes down to something that's so simple, which is fun. We've said it now a couple of times, but it's like, it's, are your clients having fun? Are your coaches having fun coaching the clients? And are you allowing a space for your coaches to have fun while they're at work. Like it almost could be as simple as that. Like, are you optimized for fun? Cause this was another thing that we talked about with DJ, which was the the fucking chick who's like, whatever, doing whatever, but everybody loves her. She's always sold out because cheap people are just having fun working with her. Probably fun, exciting. And, and, and I think it comes back to your jujitsu example, which is who's better. The person that doesn't train for three years or trains for three years. You're not going to just slog through shit and do boring ass fucking stuff that you don't enjoy and you're not having fun for three years. You're just not. It, there has to be at some point where you're like, this is fun. I like this. I'll keep sticking with it. Sure. And I think that that stick it with itness is almost as simple as just, is it fun? Is this fun or not? Here, here's a perfect example of what to do, why doing this the wrong way, what this is like. We have a young man who's been in with us for a few months now. And he's good, a good kid, trains hard, good training partner too. Not like a fucking psycho kid who's out trying to, you know what I mean? Like a good kid who's there to yeah. learn. He's, there, he's really there to learn. We're in there like a small group session. There's just a handful of us. So yes, he's like, well, what do you guys want to work on today? And I always, always defer to the new guys. Yeah, what do you want? Let's do something for them. Whatever they kind of need, right? Well, on his very first day in, I was like, he's brand new. I knew the kid. So like, let's get him whatever he kind of thinks. What should we do for him? Yeah, let's get him up to speed. What do they do, John? Put him into someone's guard, pass the guard, 
That's what he wanted. This kid has stuck it out for a few months, right? This week, yeah, on Monday, we're there again, small group in the morning. I say, yo, what's what do you think? What do you want to do? What do you want to put together? Anything? And he goes, Yeah, I'd like to maybe like some sort of like, you know, maybe like arm submission, because we've done a little bit of arm bar stuff, but is there some other arm attacks that could work on? You know what the coach said? The coach said, This is one of the most frustrating things I've ever had to witness, by the way. The coach goes, Well, you know, you probably that's yeah, but you know, you probably won't be able to like finish much of those submissions if you don't understand how to get there. So, you know what we did, John? Pulled him right back into full guard. Now learn how to pass the guard. And then from there, it's like, bro, the person said what they want to do. You had nobody that was going to fucking object. If it's out of order and this kid has fun, this kid's going to stay. Right. If it's in the best, most optimized sequence for what you think you should learn. And by the way, him and a lot of these other coaches, they don't. Um, they had to teach themselves. So they have maybe attended less total actual classes of jujitsu than I do mm-hmm. in a week. You understand what I mean? Right. They're in training sessions and learn off instructionals, but this is not. So you can see how misguided that is. And it's the same thing when people come in wanting to lose weight and you do a movement assessment and you make it about their fucking hip fucking flexion and their shoulder rotation and all this other stuff. It's like, no, fuck off. I want the weight off. We'll do this as a part of the process. But if this weight's staying on because you're making me do a bunch of stupid shit to fix some fucking metric that you've decided is important. Again, what's that? We talked about the Goodhart's law. When a, when a metric becomes a target, it's, when a measure becomes a tar- target, it is no longer a good measure. And at this point, once we start moving at that, we're moving away from the thing I got in here for. And so you're, you're rearranging their targets. That kid did not join jujitsu to learn how to pass a guard because he didn't know what a fucking guard is. So he'll get that eventually, but he came to strangle people, give him some fucking people to strangle a little bit, and then we'll work our way back. But you got to play the bigger picture. What's the three-year plan for this person? What does that need to look like? Are they supposed to be bored as fuck for a year with you? Yeah. While you pepper in some interesting shit. Can it just be interesting? His life's not on the line tomorrow. You know what I mean? And if it is, <laughs> all he's going to know is how to, what? Pass a guard and then do well Pass your guard and then what? <laughs> Run away. The fuck? It's not even fun. Part of it's being <laughs> dangerous. Now these people aren't even dangerous. They can't even go home and explain to their friends or what. How bad is that for referrals? What do you do? I don't know. Just sit nuts to butts with somebody and try to wrestle. It sucks, man. He you got to give them a little fun. Yeah. Sweats in my face. It's all yeah, the guy tries to kill me at the end of every class. We're giving a lot of jujitsu examples, and that's totally fair, right? That's but autism. I didn't, jiu-jitsu that's okay. is 80% autism, that's 20% steroids. That's <laughs> but, all I do, guys. I hope that you guys can see the, the no. carryover that we're explaining here. Yeah, We do have a carryover example that I just remembered, and I have not thought about this because obviously I tried to block it out. Yeah. We do – so a, a true gym example from a gym owner. Tyler, do you remember <laughs> – we weren't in charge of doing anything, but we were in charge of selling it. So we had to sell it and support it through social media because that was what you and I did in this business. But there was a gym owner that was part of our crew that taught a deadlift event, like a workshop that was for deadlifting that had no fucking deadlifting in it. Nope. There was no, and I remember, <laughs> I remember it got done. And I remember, so the guy that's the boss, Right. So for you, gym owners, you, you're the boss and you have someone that works under you that says they want to do an event an act a camp or whatever. The boss did not proof what was going to be taught. He just heard deadlift workshop. Awesome. And I remember when the boss saw, cause we filmed it, right? We're filming it so we can sell it. Oh, yeah. all we stuff. had full video production of this thing. Yeah. And oh, he goes about that. Hold on. He goes, hold on. He goes, was this a deadlifting workshop? He goes, when did they deadlift? Like, when were they actually dead? It was like, oh, well, no, we were building up like the all of we the were building up all, how to and all of the, the muscles and structures and movement patterns that need to go into a deadlift. So, so people paid you for a deadlift seminar and they didn't deadlift that day? No, no deadlifting was seen. So we buried so, it. 
<laughs> we buried it, right? That thing went away. Yeah. yeah it was, we never got to sell it. It was just for the folks that came to that one thing. And then it was just a big learning moment. And I don't know how much learning to speak of the tism, but there wasn't a whole lot of, but the learning moment for me certainly was one, if you're the boss, you need to have fucking proofed what's about to be taught. And two, how far up our own ass do we have to be to where if I signed up for a deadlifting workshop and you're not going to act, let me dead. I'm not going to deadlift. Like how, who's signing up for the next workshop squat yeah. workshop. We're going to do the squat one next. Be like, it's <laughs> just all lunging and accessories and hamstring curls and leg extensions and cat. Yeah. It's fucking nuts. Absolutely. Now and, go ahead. No, you're fine. But that thing, that was one of those things where like, we didn't even know. Like we, it was like, okay, this will be great. They, we get, it was sold. So we, sold it. we sent a videographer. <laughs> I mean, like flew him. It is fucking nuts. So, yeah. But that's what happens when you, like, give somebody the, like, you, you say, oh, this is what you want? Nah. We're going to stick with what's most. By the way, what those people did that day is mm -hmm. probably all of the prerequisites that you should be very good at before you're going to deadlift. It really is. If you are good and know how to do those things, like, really proficient with those things, you will be able to deadlift safety and safely and for the long term. But the people that signed up for that already like deadlifting, and they're probably already doing it in some capacity uh, along a spectrum of high risk to low risk, right? But somewhere in there, nobody's doing it perfectly, but they're there because they want to deadlift. And to just be like, to just call it that and have it not be any of it was, it was one of the more embarrassing things that I'm glad I wasn't there in person for. because I, I got to be there. Oh, you were there. So I don't know why I was here. I was here. <laughs> I was there. I got to go to the gym with the coach and his assistant coach. So I was there for it. I was there for it. My <sighs> wife and I were. Oh, because we were on vacation. Yep. That was when Amy and I went overseas just to hang out. And it just happened to have been the same time that they were running the workshop. And we got to be there. That's why I had not thought about it. until. So did you feel at the end of the room, at the end of the day, where was everybody like, what in the was there like a massive what after this or what? I mean, I'm sure it was. These are Dutch it was people. We, it, it were Dutch people. So it's not like they're they going to complain if something if they don't like something. They kind of just went like it was. They went with it, but when we really realized it was a problem, is that there was actually a bigger play at hand. There was this. There was was um, the gym that it was at was ran by a guy that you know, whose brother like was an yeah, author yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. and was yeah. like kind of big into the fucking thing or whatever. And it was like, I, I, I'm almost hundred percent positive that it ended. Like, it was just like, no, this was bad. Like what you guys did here was bad. Like it was not good. It was not good. And I just never <laughs> be like, Oh my God. Like this is so bad. You guys. Well, it, is, it's, to, it's, it is. It is. But it was all. Oh, you were not a part of it. <laughs> If I would have been there, it would have been, we're putting the bars on the ground. Let's go. I don't know what we're doing here. You guys, I don't care. I'm deadlifting today. I didn't come here to not. That's somebody better. I was me. just the email guy. Like, I yeah, was the guy true. that helped everything on the back end. So I was like, okay, well, this is looks fun. You guys are doing a lot of cool things, it looks like. But I don't know how yeah. deadlifting is happening. But there's a line, right? It is about you as a coach and a business owner. It is a little bit. It's okay. You, you are a part of this equation what you want, how you want to live, the things you want to teach, all this stuff that you absolutely are. But uh, you are a part of that equation and you are not paying yourself money. So the people who are coming in and providing money for your services fucking matter too. A lot, frankly, more than you, you know, so like somewhere in there, you need to find balance. So uh, that's what this is. Get out there, find a balance, figure out where the line is on your stuff. Cause that is the DNA of your business. That'll do it. Make sure you follow the show at the Gym Owners Podcast on Instagram. Follow me at Tyler F. and Stone. John? You follow me at JBanksFL. Are we going to talk about the M4 challenge? Do we want to pull oh, that out there? It's probably shit. already out there. This is going to, John, this is going to be too late for you this. Too late. We're to this up. Well, because this we're two episodes behind. This will not come out uh, in January. Well, then keep an eye out for the February. The February, yes. Yeah, so what we're doing every month. That's, yeah, that's good. I don't want to get the specifics of the first one. I hear right? you. Yeah. So but we're going to issue, we're going to do a challenge. It's going to, let's be real. It's just going to look like that fucking, uh, like your 75 hard or any of those other like yeah. 30 day checklist shit. Right. But instead of it being a long convoluted list of bunches of different things where it feels like we're just bossing you around, there's going to be one specific focus that you need to do five days a week for a month. That's kind of, that's the gist of it. Um, I'd like you guys to get involved in this challenge. The first month, it's a little late for seeing this now is going to be every day. You need to just follow up with the lead. 
find a lead, follow up with one, whether it's one that's come in or one that's a client who left or somebody who was a lead who told you no before. One follow-up per day. And I want you to just kind of start to see like what that specific focus kind of effort can do with your business. And there's going to be a separate challenge that we're going to roll out each month. It's our M4 challenge. M4 stands for making money move monthly making money moves challenge making money moves money moves we make money moves all right uh so keep an eye on that that's me on instagram i'd like to have you guys really participate you screenshot the deal you post it to your story as a gym owner i think we want to get some we want to get you guys doing some of the things that we emphasize with the people that pay us to have work with them and we want to give you guys here's a focus just do this shit because that's what we do in the gear academy is you're going to focus on this customized piece of your business this week check back in here's what we're doing next week and and this allows you to kind of get a an idea of something to hold you accountable to some of these things and steps do and once you really see the impact of some of that consistent effort on the right things i think you're really going to be impressed with the way your business starts to change shape so thanks a lot for listening everybody go to gymownersrevolution.com and the link in the show notes will take you to the gym owners revolution facebook group